Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and uh, today I'm joined by a special guest, David Kimball Cook. David, how are you? Hello. Yes, I'm fine. I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. Great. Uh, so uh, David and I met uh, on the Unbelievable Boards, and uh, we have only ever met as uh, sparring partners. And so I guess it's uh, uh, appropriate that we meet here now. But I've always uh, had a great respect for uh, David Kimball Cook. He is uh, one of the few Christians who has been able to uh, give me some harsh and uh, yet constructive criticism uh, that I have been able to take, actually. Uh, and so he's, uh, he's, he's been very instrumental uh, in my development as a um, person who has communications, uh, uh, oftentimes... Um, uh, competitive communications online. Uh, he was instrumental in uh, getting me my uh, first appearance on Unbelievable. I know that you uh, worked a little bit behind the scenes there, David. Thank you. Uh, you were on Unbelievable at one point, were you not? Yes, um, about three years ago. And um, they had me on, Justin had me on to, to do um, a phone-in to James White. Yeah. And... And, and I, I'm, a, I'm a Unitarian. I'm a biblical Unitarian. Mm -hmm. I, I, I deny the so-called deity of Christ. And uh, I, I, Justin asked me on to interrogate James White on, um, on did the apostles preach the, the deity of Christ in Acts? And uh, it was very interesting, very... Uh, well, it was very good, but, but incredibly annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, uh, and... and I only had about 10 minutes to go at him. And most of the time, James White was waffling on and on, you know, using up the time, just like in a, in a boxing match, you know, when you're, you're hanging on and you're just trying to make it to the bell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, you know, the, the few, you know, I just, anyway, um, it, it, it was, it was, it was good, but, um, uh, no, no sign of a rematch yet. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll try to hunt that episode down and include a link in the uh, yeah. show notes. Uh, it, was, uh, June, it was June 2016. Okay, that's gonna, that'll help. And, it, and it, it, was grill, it was Grill James White or something like that. Let me tell you what, James White, you talk about a baptism of fire. Um, that's a tough one. Uh, so, you know, my first uh, encounter was with uh, Randall Rouser. That was tough. Uh, Randall, Randall Rouser is a tough customer. Yeah. He's a bare knuckles debater. Uh, he's no James White. <laughs> yes. And um, even though it has not aired by the time uh, this is out, uh, I can tell you my, my uh, second uh, appearance was with Jonathan McClatchy. Uh, also another tough customer. But once again, I'll take Randall Rouser and Jonathan McClatchy together Uh instead of a James White. Uh, I don't know how you debate with James White. I, I just don't think you can. I don't think it's possible. Uh, a, he's extremely good at the art of debate. Uh, so whatever you think about his theology is relevant. Um, he's, he's, he's a little bit like a, a, um, a, a, a William Lane Craig uh, he's he's extremely good at the art of the debate. 
He's not going to stop talking, and he's extremely knowledgeable about, about the Bible. And so at some point, no matter how knowledgeable you are, he can say something that can confuse you enough uh, to put you on the ropes. Um, so congratulations for even taking on that challenge. Yes. Well, I must say, you know, on, on James White, yes, I agree. He's, he's a very good debater, and he does know the Bible, and he's, you know, he's an expert in Greek and so on. But if you have a debate format... Where with it with question and answer, you can get him on the ropes. Now, do you know who's the name of that Jehovah's Witness guy who debated James White some time ago? This chap is no longer kind of out there um, anymore. But 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 his debate with James White, and where he did an interrogation, for instance, of you know you know John seventeen three. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just get that verse up. Which is, of course, uh, a verse that, that Unitarians, uh, like me, really want to go to. Uh, Jesus speaking, praying to, praying to, to God his Father. Mm-hmm. And this is like eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And uh, so that, of course names the father as the only true God. And so this chap, I can't remember his name, but someone will, will come to me, said, okay, so, so Dr. White, um, was Jesus right in, in, in naming his father the only true God? And that really had him. And, and that, that clip, that just that five minute section, that's on YouTube. Okay, I'll find that too. <laughs> But I agree, he's a very good debater. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough customer. I'd, I'd love to um, meet him in the ring one day just to say that I was clobbered by James White. Um, <laughs> it's a, so it is, it is a little bit honor, uh, of an honor to, be, um, to, to talk to one of the great debaters of our time, uh, and, and he is that. He's wrong mm. with his every utterance. But he's very good at uttering it. So. Yeah, I know. And he's very selective about who he debates as well, because, you know, Dale Tuggy, um, prominent biblical Unitarian who has a, his website, Trinities. Uh, you may not have heard of no, it. No, I'm not familiar anyway, with it. It's worth a look. Uh, Trinities, uh, that's, that's what it's called. And he has a podcast and he's debated several, um, several people. He's debated Michael Brown, for instance, in the last year. And um, and another chap as well on the deity of Christ, and he's challenged uh, James White to debate, but uh, James White will not debate him. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, because he, I think James White knows that that Tuggy will 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 defeat him. Hmm. Uh, that, that he's he's his equal and more when it comes to the Unitarian um, doctrine, um, when it comes to the deity of Christ, because. James White knows very well that the apostles did not um, did not preach or teach that Jesus was God. Um, so I, I think Tuggy will have him there, which is why he refuses to debate him. So a lot of people don't uh, know. I'll just share this right now. I uh, uh, flirted with Unitarianism uh, for a little while before I left Christianity altogether. But uh, toward the end, I, um, uh, I participated in UU and... Um, I found it to be a, a delightful experience. Uh, so, 
uh, I would say that for people who are kind of on the way out or on the fence, um, stop by UU before you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, so I think this is a very good introduction uh, to our first uh, topic, which is our uh, perspective journeys, Uh, how we got to where we are right now. So you are... You, you are still a professing Christian, I, I believe, um, safe to say, and I am not. Um, and one of the questions that uh, strikes me whenever I'm talking to a Christian is, how is it that you managed to stay a Christian and try as hard as I did? I did not manage to stay a Christian. What is the difference uh, between someone who stays in and someone who goes out? Um, and so hopefully we can we can suss that out in in this part of the topic. Let me just let me just start by asking, have you always been you you? Um, tell us tell us about your journey. How did how were you introduced to Christianity and how did you get to where you are today? Right, okay. Well, uh, I should say I, I'm not you I guess you mean by you you Unitarian Universalist. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. So I would not describe myself as that. You're just one uh, of the yous. Well, <laughs> it, it's not a label that, that we use, actually. The, the, um, the, 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 the label that, 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 that's used nowadays for people like me is Biblical Unitarian, okay. or BU, if you like, um, to distinguish ourselves from the Universalist lot. Um, so historically, um, Unitarianism has been part of Christianity since um, in, in the Western world, since about the, the early Reformation times, mm. um, and uh, uh, but Unitarian Universalism came about in the States uh, in the 19th century as the kinds of various um, Unitarian movements rather softened their doctrinal focus and went more towards Universalism, and and stuff has been written about that, but. I'm not a universalist at all, okay. and uh, so I, I believe in Jesus Christ, he, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and so on. So, um, like like my fellow Unitarians, biblical Unitarians, we, we, we believe that we, um, that we are Christians like the apostles were, basically. We believe that, that God is God, and that, that the Father of Jesus is the only true God, that Jesus is the Messiah, um, but not a divine figure, in the sense of being um, divine, like God is divine, but but God's Messiah, a real man, a human being, but anointed with a with a with a really particular anointing to be the Messiah. Kind of like King David, um, a well, human with an anointing. Yes, indeed, but 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 the Messiah. So the, the unique figure, like so, David might be a, a precursor. Uh, but 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 someone from the line of David who who was now exalted, so a very special human being uh, indeed. David was never resurrected from the dead, and uh, certainly not exalted to the right hands of God. So we believe that we are like the, the, the you know it's the, the authentic Christian faith, the authentic faith of the apostles. Um, so we I think no nobody no biblical Unitarian would call themselves a universalist. Um, uh, at least, you know, not not in the primary sense. Okay, so uh, you do have a, a an eschatology where the good go to heaven and the evil go to hell. 
Well, in, in, indeed, but we, we can get on to, you know, on the, on the notes I sent you, we've, sure. we've got some talk about hell there, and eschatology is, is, a, is another, of course, it's a fascinating area, and, and, and I have been revising, studying, changing my views, and, and over the last 10, 15 years, and, and so we'll, we'll talk about that, yes. Okay. Well, uh, so on the, on the background issue you now, right now, you're a, you're a professor? You, you teach? I, I teach mathematics. I'm, I'm a school teacher. Okay. I'm partly retired, semi-retired, um, married with three children. I, I, have a, I have a PhD, but not in theology. I have a master's, um, sorry, couple of master's degrees but a degree in theology that I did part-time while I was teaching while I was uh, working okay so um, so I, I have a fair number of degrees a bachelor's degree in theology and uh, and I teach maths yeah okay so, and so you the theology that you have now the Unitarianism is that what you have always been since you were a Christian or did you work your way into that uh, well indeed uh, I, I was a member of the Church of England for about 20 years in my adult life, mm -hmm. from age 20 to age 40, and uh, so that would be what we call Anglican, okay. believing in the usual doctrines of the Trinity and, and so on. Then about age 40, I had a, uh, I was invited along to a, what's called a Oneness Pentecostal service. Mm. Have you heard of? I have. You have certainly you have, so I was, and uh, and I, I had a kind of experience there really, and and I joined that fellowship and that movement, and uh, this was in London, and uh, I joined an organisation called the United Pentecostal Church, okay. which is very prominent in in the states. You might have heard of it, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so the UPCI. And uh, so that's where I met my wife. And uh, so then we, uh, we we now we still attend a Oneness Pentecostal Fellowship here in in, in the UK in Luton. Mm -hmm. And uh, but over the years, I, I have been questioning some of the doctrines, studying them, and uh, and and I have the the kind of mind that I will always, I think, be be looking for truth. Uh, I will always. Try and figure out, you know, is this right or not, and uh, and that's the kind of mind I have. I, I'm just interested in, in passionate really about the search for truth, and uh, so I started to question some of those doctrines that that I had been taught, and uh, and the deity of Christ became a particular one. The oneness people believe that Jesus just basically is God, that that, that Jesus is one and the same as God. That, that Jesus is just another name for God, just like Clark Kent is a name for Superman. Right. And, and, and so um, it's a very good analogy, actually, And that when Jesus was on earth, he was like Clark Kent, walking around in his, you know, dark suits and, uh, and so on. But underneath that, that suit and that tie, there was the Superman costume. And uh, so that's the doctrine of the deity of Christ as the oneness people saw it. And, uh, right. That would that would fall under a what what some would call a heresy of modalism. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Abs absolutely, yeah. Um, but 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 it really, you know, th th this kind of 
motor, motor, motorist idea. I mean, it, it has a long history in, in the church and was rejected as a heresy, as you correctly say, uh, in, the, in the fourth century um, and was fought against in the third. But in fact, there's a quite, you know, a bit of an overlap with the kind of what, what, um, what you might be called, what you might call one self Trinitarianism, which is orthodox. So, you know, there's, there's a very um, one self Trinitarianism is, is the idea that Jesus, sorry, that God is three persons, but is you know, God is three, but he's really one. <laughs> you know, he's one self, one person in three aspects. Which is very close to modalism. It is. It? it is. It's um, you know the the egg is the shell, the yolk and the white. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Or, or the water and the ice and the and the snow yeah. <laughs> and the stuff. So you know you, you could say what's heresy and what's not there. A one self trinitarian um, is is in fact quite close to a modalist. And uh, and uh, I spent some time last year trying to figure out the difference and um, didn't get very far. Um, but Dale Tuggy, the, the, one of the prominent biblical Unitarians, has a, a very good article on the Trinity in Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which anyone can get up online. And he goes through these different kinds of Trinitarianism. Um, and basically, Trinitarianism could be divided into oneself and threeself. Um, so this is kind of oneself Trinitarianism, which is close to modernism. Yes. But anyway, back, back to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, about 15 years ago, I, 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 would write, I was writing a book, Is God a Trinity, which is still available uh, online on, on Lulu. And it was during the writing of that, trying to figure out for myself as I studied and wrestled with these things, how um, trying, uh, writing against the Trinity, um, what about the deity of Christ? And I was in correspondence with with one of these guys um, by email, I think, in the States. And uh, like a Jehovah, like a, a modern day Aryan, 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 um, a follower of Arius, they called themselves the students. Have you heard of them? I have not. No, um, but that they're, um, he just gently asked me, um, yeah, what about this deity of Christ? You know, just just think about you know, what is this assumption? What does what does it mean? Can you question it? And that kind of triggered a, a trapdoor in in my mind. And I thought, well, yes. Um, what is this? You know, do I have to hold on to this? What does it mean to say that that Jesus is God, or well, that Jesus was God was incarnated in Jesus, that Jesus was both God and man, and. Uh, and suddenly, kind of, I, I let go of that, and and you've had that experience, haven't you, David? That that, um, I, as I understand it, that you find yourself believing in one thing, and then suddenly you let go of that belief. Yes. That, yeah. that, and of course, I, I would be wanting to ask you about, you know, how you let go of your Christianity. But with me, that was a process where part of the process where. I remained a Christian, but I, I but I let go. I surrendered one of the, the so-called key doctrines, and certainly of oneness Pentecostalism, the idea that Jesus just is God. I, I thought, yeah, I don't have to believe this. And then I started looking around and realizing that quite a lot of people believe the same way, but were Christians. There, there's a group called the Christadelphians, 
uh, who you might have heard of, um, who, who believe that, and then I found others as well. And so there are, you know, groups and churches uh, all over the world, certainly in the States, and a few groups here and there in, in the UK as well. But, but I remained part of my fellowship, and I still do. And uh, although I, I'm very much a, a semi-detached member of the group in doctrine, <laughs> as you mm-hmm. might imagine, mm-hmm. but, but of course I, I, I go along with them in their rejection of the Trinity. And, but you know, every time that they say that Jesus is God, I kind of look down and um, keep my mouth shut. Uh, although I've had interesting conversations with one of the, um, the, 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 assistant, the assistant pastor there, who's um who's see you know he, he can see where i'm coming from yes um uh, but uh, so yeah um so i i'm, I'm still a, a oneness person in in that sense that i attend church and uh, you know and pay my tithes and so on and and i love and respect those guys and uh, they're sincere in what they believe and that they're, they're you know the genuine christians but i just don't believe that jesus just is god anymore I believe he's, he's God's Messiah. And that's, I think, what the Bible says. So um, yeah. I, I, I just have to tell you that this, that's so fascinating. I, I'm gonna, just going to plant a stake in the ground and um, invite you back again and maybe have you in, in conversation with someone who does not believe uh, or, or who does believe that Jesus is, um, is God because I would love to hear that conversation played out a little bit more. My, my sympathies are with both sides, uh, frankly, <laughs> because I grew up in a very conservative uh, form of Christianity where we mouthed a lot of words that we didn't really understand. And some of the words that we mouthed were, uh, you know, God is three persons and Jesus is God. Um, so I, I understand the pull of someone who feels like they need to say that. Because yeah. that, that is so identified with true Christianity that, that to say yeah. anything else just feels like you're saying something that's not Christian. And yet I also identify with someone like you who just wakes up one morning and says, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, and, and it's one of my questions to you, David, in my notes is, you know, is, is, is when you lost your faith, you know, if you can call it that, did you like dump everything in one go or did you let go of elements of the doctrine one by one? So I see? didn't dump anything easily. And yeah. so there was no, there was no, you know, loading up the dump truck and then just, you know, letting it all fly. That, that did not happen. Uh, I fought to hang on to everything. Um, and so my experience, let me just, let me just go back to, uh, where I was born. I was born in the Church of Christ. Um, and I say born into it because my, my parents were Church of Christ people. The Church of Christ is uh, mostly centered in the southern U.S. of A., uh, a very Bible Belt uh, kind of religion, Alabama, Tennessee, uh, Georgia, Mississippi, um, Florida, very, very center Arkansas, very centered uh, in that area, although uh, there are probably about two million uh, members worldwide uh, these days, 
Uh, it became identified as a denomination uh, back in 1906, uh, founding uh, fathers of the movement would be uh, Alexander Campbell, Barton W. Stone. They were part of the um, Restoration Movement, not the Reformation Movement, the American Restoration Movement, of which there are a number of denominations that you know, would hail back to that movement. So just kind of moving through a little bit of history to try to place where we are in that history. Now, the Churches of Christ, um, as a denomination, have a conservative wing and a liberal wing. There are about five distinct branches of the Churches of Christ, um, and there are about five levels of, you know, ultra-conservative, conservative, conservative uh, mainline, uh, liberal, ultra-liberal, and so you can kind of identify uh, various parts of that, but mostly um, the mainline churches of Christ are still a fairly conservative fundamentalist group. Uh, some of our denominational distinctives have been historically, but by, by the way, when I say this, all of this is in question. And as you move up and down between the cons ultra conservatives and the ultra liberals, these are all in play. Uh, but anyone who knows anything about the churches of Christ might uh, know that uh, or, or have heard that we think that we're the only ones who are going to be saved. Uh, there are a few churches like this uh, where, you know. Yeah, I know, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the one that's people, um, that, that's part of their doctrine as well. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so we, we share a little bit of DNA there. Um, it's, a, it's a very strange doc, uh, uh, doctrine when you examine it closely. Um, and it's one of the first things that when people start challenging their faith in this movement, that's one of the first things that they challenge. Um, because they, they just kind of wake up one morning and look at that and say, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> we're, we're such a small group. And if we're the only people who are going to be saved, and then only a fraction of us at that, it's not like all of us are going to be saved, but only the saved will be chosen from us then this whole human project is doomed. It's just, what, what is the point? Um, it's, a, it's a really kind of a ridiculous and narcissistic uh, belief. Uh, so those of you who um, accuse me of being narcissistic, I was raised that way from the teat. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, the fact that I am not as narcissistic as I could be is a bit of a is a is a bit of a miracle. That's, that, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, but but um, that, that's very interesting. So I I and you know I think from early on my days as a one that's Pentecostal, uh, I I thought this can't be right. I, I, this, this can't be right. We can't be the only ones that are saved because the New Testament speaks about salvation by faith. And that if, if, if anyone believes in Jesus, um, he shall be saved, basically. And, uh, and so the one that's Pentecostal doctrine has its own particular slant on that to do with the, the identifying of receiving the spirits with having a certain experience called speaking in tongues. Right. Uh, and so you, if you haven't spoken in tongues or had that, that experience, you haven't received the spirit. And if you haven't received the spirit, according to Romans 8, then you're, you're not one of his. Um, so that's how that doctrine plays out. Um, but, but, but that doctrine is based upon 
a very narrow reading of certain passages, three or maybe four passages in Acts um, only, <laughs> basically. Um, have you received the Spirit since you believe, John, uh, Acts 19. Uh, so that's where the, the oneness idea of, you know, only, you know, we're the only one saved comes from. Um, how do they, how does the, the Church of Christ, how do they justify it? Well, so badly, um, actually worse than that, in my opinion. I actually think the Pentecostals have a better claim um, to it than we did. But the way we would justify it is by saying, well, the first century church, the original church, had certain markers. Uh, and those markers are most easily seen uh, in their pattern of worship and doctrine. And so we are the only church that has exactly recreated that pattern and doctrine of the first century church. And, and then, you know, there, there are like five or six um, pieces to that. And we would say, yeah, we're, we're the only ones. And so that first century church, those were actually Church of Christ people. And, and we have persisted throughout the ages. And so you can play that game if you start with Pentecost and go forward, but you actually can't play that game very well if you start from now and go backward. Um, if you start from now and go backward, you will see that there is a kind of a hard beginning to the movement that we think of as the Churches of Christ uh, in the early 20th century. And it simply doesn't go back before that. And so then you have to explain um, well, the, the denominational gap between the first century and the 20th century, what happened to the church? Did, did the church die? Did the, you know, uh, was it just a matter of it, it died and we had to recreate it uh, 2,000 years later? Uh, or, was, or was there an underground church? An yes, underground. exactly. That's, the, that's yeah. what, where we went. There was a remnant, you see, and it was yeah. maybe hidden from history but there must have always been a remnant, and then it just became visible again yeah. in the 20th century. It's it's absurd, but yeah, that that that's interesting. I have a, with uh, oneness Pentecostalism is an exactly parallel, similar story. Um, again, it traces its 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 birth to um, 1905. Is it um, the west coast of the states? Mm -hmm. uh, Pentecostal. Uh, um, Awakening, if you like, the speaking in tongues and so on, receiving the spirit, uh, which, which, uh, from which all Pentecost dates, and and you must know this well. Uh, but of course, Pentecost grew out of roots of holiness movements, mm -hmm. into, um, um, of the 19th century. But then, I have I have a little book here with with a, which attempts to trace oneness Pentecostalism throughout centuries, trying to identify in each century. Uh, which particular movements or heresies or, or whatever were really oneness Pentecostals? Ah, uh, uh, yes, we've we've played that game a lot with the Churches of Christ too. Um, it does not work, but we we have similar books and pamphlets and things that make make an attempt to do that. Okay, this is. But then you see, I let go. I let go of that. Um, the idea that you know we're, that we're we're the only ones saved. Right. But did I, did I, you let go all at once? No, yeah, this is the thing. You see, I, I, I'm letting things go. Um, one, I stayed in the church, but just let go of that belief. Right. And 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 that was quite early on. And and I thought this, 
you know, I remember I was just two years in the in in, in the UPC, um, one year, and I was I, I can I remember I convened I still have the notes I convened a meeting at my house I invited um, three brothers along to talk about the tongues doctrine and 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 salvation by faith and uh, and i have those notes still and and it was, i was clear then that salvation is by faith um but and, and that the tongues if you like is a is a is a it's a great experience if you like but but it's not it's not salvation um but i remained in the church i just let go of that one part and then and then about 15 years ago writing my book i, I I realized Jesus isn't God. The Bible doesn't say that Jesus is God. And I let go of that, but I still remained a Christian. So, I, and, and I've given you a list of, of things, uh, six things in, in my notes here that, right. I, um, that I let go of or changed beliefs. So, some of which we might get to. <laughs> Indeed. But I'm still, I'm still a Christian. Right. And, I, and I let go of things one by one. And, and the question for you is, you know, you, you're saying the same. You didn't dump everything in one go, but but you kind of let go of things one by one. Right, and uh, I just let go of a few more things than you did. Let me uh, let, let me uh, let me summarize uh, that a little bit yeah. for you, um, because it's it's a little glib just to leave it at that. Um, I part of the problem is the way the Church of Christ structured its arguments. And you may uh, have some similarities there with one, one is Pentecostal too, but we were very um, allists. So first of all, we thought that we had all truth and we were exactly right. And we couldn't be wrong about anything. So there weren't, there weren't any um, minor issues uh, that we could be wrong about. If we were wrong about one thing, you know, we were we were wrong about, you know, possibly everything. And so this is, I, I guess in some ways I consider myself fortunate that I was in a branch of the Church of Christ that thought this way. Um, and so when I started reexamining the idea of everyone else going to hell except for us, one of the things that snapped me out of that is I had a lot of friends, um, a lot of, well, friends, acquaintances, a lot of people I knew most of whom were not members of the Church of Christ. And, you know, for early on, I thought the only reason someone wouldn't be a member of the Church of Christ is because either they're stupid uh, or because they're evil. Those are the only two choices. You, you, you either don't, you just don't have the capacity to understand the clear teaching of Scripture, or you do have the capacity to understand the clear teaching of Scripture, and you're just choosing not to. Now, when those are your only two choices, um, that that leaves you thinking a, a certain negative way about the vast majority of people who walk the earth. But I knew too many people by that time. And I realized these people are neither stupid nor are they willful. They are honest, sincere people who just don't see it. And that began to trouble me. Uh, that a person who was honest and sincere, who simply didn't agree with you, would somehow burn in hell because they were a part of another denomination or no denomination. And, and once I was able to get around the idea that people were either stupid or willful, 
then the whole thing seemed unfair. So it's not just a matter of, I might be wrong about this. It's that God is unfair uh, to, to punish these people when they are honest. And so the first step for me was just admitting that there were honest people who didn't agree with me that would be punished. And no fair God could do that. And at that time, my God could do that. So that was more than a little bit of a doctrinal hiccup for me. It was a major uh, dissonance between what I once thought about God and what I was starting to think about God. Okay. That's interesting. But, uh, but then, of course, from where you go, where you go then is interesting, isn't it? Because um, you, you are already aware of the vast majority of Christianity out there, which is not like that. Right. And, and, and I, I, I just finished reading a book, interesting book by, um, by, uh, by, by someone who came out of oneness Pentecostalism, who, who came out of the UPC, mm-hmm. United Pentecostal Church. And he didn't lose his faith. He just became a mainstream Orthodox Christian. Right. And and so many, in fact, they talk about the experience in the Oneness Bible College where they were teaching stuff and they and they were kind of becoming more broad-minded, if you like, and thinking about the links with with you know more more mainstream Christianity. And so whole groups of them, not just this particular man, but his colleagues and the whole cohort of their students. Many of them also went, and they're now in, you know, um, mainstream Christian ministry. Right. They have lost their faith. So I, um, I just want you to know, I did travel through those stages too. So I mentioned that there are about okay, five distinct okay. stages of the Churches of Christ. I've traveled through them all. So, you know, I let go of things like, oh, instrumental music is the only way to worship. And, uh, oh, well, women uh, can't have any roles in, in worship and uh, leadership and so forth, and things like that, things that are uh, Church of Christ uh, doctrinal distinctive mainstays. I let go of all of those. I ended up becoming a leader of small description in at least two other denominations, the uh, uh, Evangelical Covenant uh, Christian Church and the United Methodist Church, where I was a worship leader for a little while. Um, and mm. so I experimented with other forms of Christianity, too, but I... If, I ultimately did go through a, a process of letting things go until it was stripped down to the metal. And for me, the metal it is a computer term. The metal in, in this case for me uh, would be, is there a God? Does he want to be worshipped? What's, what's the basic fundamental unit of uh, spirituality? Um, and I, and I, finally got down to those things and I didn't find good answers for those things either. Uh, so I, I would just say that I, I stripped down a few more layers uh, than you did until, until hitting the bare metal. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I use the analogy of sliding down a roof and um, you know, as you slide down, <laughs> you're looking for things to hold on to, to stop you sliding off. And, uh, and, and, um, and but until as you slide down, you're still on the roof, aren't you? Yes. It's not when you it's not until you get to the gutter and you actually fall off the gutter that you actually left the roof. And and so in my metaphor, you fell off the roof. Yes. And, and the gutter was your final belief in a god, wasn't it? Yes. That was the bit of the roof that's 
that's the last bit of the roof before you fall off. Hanging, hanging on by fingernails. Hanging on. And then yeah. you hung on. You hung on for a while. And you were in the Methodist church then, so that's quite a, a journey, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it's yeah. it's yeah. more of a journey than we really have time to go into. But yes, yes. I do want to leave the audience with the, with the knowledge that this wasn't... Um, careless journey it wasn't a sudden journey it wasn't haphazard uh and i i went the distance yes uh, so, and I, so the final thing the final thing that the last bit of the you know the metal if you like the hanging on to the gutter was just is there a god yes it's it's getting down to you know what is the basic fundamental unit of belief and I, I found that I didn't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's it. And it wasn't a matter of me wanting to let it go. It just came down to a matter of me finally acknowledging what was already in, in my heart by that point. I, I just didn't believe it anymore. And I think the, the thing that dealt death blow after death blow to my faith were all of these things that I had to let go. Because all of these things were once central to my faith. And Mm -hmm. so it's a matter of, okay, well, I'm going to let this go, but I'll still hang on to faith. Okay, well, I'll let this go. Well, I'll let this go. And at some point you realize, uh, I don't have anything anymore. And if I've I've got to keep letting things go, there's something wrong with this thing that I'm holding on to in the first place. Yes. Yes, I understand. Yeah. So it was was a very uh, traumatic kind of experience for me quite frankly it's like losing a love uh someone that you had spent a lifetime with and um and you realize that the relationship is going south it's headed for divorce and you are half crazed you want to you want to try to hang on to it baby i'll change i'll <laughs> let's try this okay we'll move to there okay we'll i'll get a new job well, you know you do everything you can to yes. hang on to it because it's breaking you apart but mm-hmm. at some point, you've changed so much, you're not you anymore, and the relationship isn't, um, isn't a relationship anymore. You just have to acknowledge that. So, look, I, I, we can go on uh, about this, and I hope that we can come back and maybe talk about this mountain of things in our notes on this subject um, that, that we don't have. But maybe we can fold some of it into... Uh, our our next phase of discussion, which is uh, the Bible and uh, accuracy and historicity and and all of that, because this is actually a part of uh, what I had to let go of. That was that was crucial. It was um, this was this was also part of the challenge to my faith. So, as um, as a Unitarian, a biblical Unitarian biblical it's right there in the name you still hold uh to the bible uh very strongly i i take it uh tell me about your relationship with the bible okay yeah so we're we're moving on i I just want to say i think we we want to come back to this but could i just say a few things by way of summarizing our first absolutely yeah um you raised the issue and we haven't so we haven't Solved it yet is what makes one person hang on and the other doesn't. <laughs> you see, the, here's the thing. I want to talk about that in the worst kind of way, but I yeah. promised that I would give um, attention to the other topics. <laughs> and if, if we go into that, we're going to lose one of them. 
okay well well i mean we've raised it you know we'll park it for the while but 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 i think it's it's such an important issue yeah and and i don't have the answer if i did have the answer i would have told you um but but it's it is so important and and i think there's a mystery there um there are things what why i hung on well there's a couple of amazing coincidences if you like that i had in my life that i think when i when i um when i doubt and i have been doubting uh and the last five years i've had a lot of doubts and i was wondering if i was going to lose my faith and then i remember these things that happened to me um also i i i'm a kind of as i said in my notes i would be a theist even if i were not a christian so we have so many we have these various arguments and reasons that we that 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 for for believing in in a theistic type of god that the design of the universe um why is there anything rather than nothing um that that fine-tuning arguments the miracles of life intelligence and so on so you know if we had time we could talk about those but they're kind of backup beliefs uh, um these amazing things that happened to me personally that i could i could describe one of them if you like uh, sure, sure. I have to, okay um on a, a youth camp a youth um holiday with 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 the church in the isle of wise we were we were camping on one side of the island you know the isle of wight is a small island off the coast of of, of england mm-hmm. uh, near portsmouth and we were camping in uh, one part of the island we drove over to the seaside on the other side which is about 25 miles well it's from the middle to the to the east coast and uh, we spent the day there on the beach there and one of the boys lost his glasses in the sea and uh, and we were all upset at that but but um obviously we couldn't find them and we, we drove back to the camp and uh, which was you know in cows 25 miles or so away and um, and we, we just mentioned it to the lady who's there the, running the campsite you know and, and she said oh yeah we, we we lost you know gerard's glasses and she reached behind the counter and said are these his glasses and they were well and um it and it's uh you know obviously this is what we call coincidence in quotes but it's one of these things that i think you know if 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 there is a god and i and i i believe there is um somehow you know if you relax your skepticism or atheism for a minute and think if there were a god how would he work those glasses into the fabric of space and time to manage it so that the glasses arrive back at the campsite um before we did actually um or you know roughly at the same time and uh, so anyway uh well I, look i i don't i don't want to deconstruct um that experience i uh, i think that's a beautiful experience and uh, now i assure you it will be de- deconstructed in the comments. <laughs> our our comments uh, commenters well, are, are great them. deconstructors, <laughs> but it's not. I don't. I would not want to deconstruct or, or try to diminish uh, your sensation of that experience. I would not be convinced by it, uh, but I would say that the way experiences like that hit me is if if there is the kind of God that I that I once believed in why uh why bring back the glasses 
The glasses are clearly an indication that the boy couldn't see well. Why not just renew the boy's vision there? That would, that would have been a more positive sign to say, hey, look, I'm sorry, uh, we, we lost his glasses. And then the boy says, you know, I don't need them anymore. <laughs> that was, you know, and so I'm, I'm far less impressed with a God that gives me back my prosthetic <laughs> than a God that would give me back my leg. I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, it, it's a personal thing. And we can, uh, if there are comments, then we can, we can talk on that, but we must move on. But right. it's a personal thing. There's just these things in one's life, you know, that the, the, the times when you've been desperate and you felt God coming through for you, at uh, the times when you really have felt the presence of God. And, you know, it, it, it's things like that that one holds on to um, in doubt. So, but, but there have been a lot of times that I felt myself losing my faith and, and, and asked for help for people, but no one was really able to help. But somehow I'm still here um, as, as, as a Christian. And believing in the Bible, in in a certain in a sense now that that we want to move on to. Sure. So, well, so be, on, just before uh, you go there, <laughs> I will give you just the thirty thousand foot overview for the listener uh, to know that you know we'll pick this up in the the comments. The reason uh, this is in the notes is because I had some questions about why it is one person would hang on to faith and why another person would let go of faith. And I've had this conversation before with another person. I just found the answer a little bit unsatisfying. But there's a theological conundrum in here for me that may not be uh, directly obvious. Uh, and that is, if we are all spiritually broken to begin with, how does anyone ever uh, have the impetus to seek God in the first place? And if two people seek God, why does one find and one not find? And so there are a couple of passages uh, in the Bible uh, that speak to this, uh, and, it, and it ends up kind of mysterious. So you contributed one of them uh, to the notes. It's very short. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. And that's John uh, 6.44. Well, that seems very fatalistic. I can't do it unless God draws me. So if I'm not there, God must not have drawn me. The passage that I contributed was from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 10 through verse 16. I won't read it all, but um, I'll just look, look at verse 14 here. The person uh, without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. So great. If we're all unspiritual, you know, spiritually dead people, how does anyone ever come to understand spiritual things lest there's some kind of proactive measure from God? And if God then uh you know, inserts himself into the unregenerate sinner, why is it effective in some people and not in others? That's mm -hmm. the conundrum. If if this mm -hmm. is all from God, then we should all equally uh, be regenerated. Exactly, and that's what drives people towards the logic of Calvinism. Yes, yes. Uh, and and one of the things I, uh, you know, I appreciate about James White is his clarity on some points, and he ridicules this idea of peanut butter type grace, which is spread like peanut butter, evenly, all through everyone. Um, but some people, you know, react to it well or take it well, and others don't. Um, and um, 
and and then Calvinism then becomes a very logical alternative to that kind of idea, which is yeah, God just does elect certain people and does not elect others, and that's down to Him. So the fact that someone has faith and someone else does not have faith is all down to the choice of God, and is not due to any one's particular efforts or merits. And uh, so that that position has a great logic to it. You know, I, I I reject it. I don't believe that that's that's a true position. Um, that's a true New Testament position, but um, but it has a lot of logic to it and strength, and it gets around this problem. Right. So yeah, I mean, we we, we just have to raise this issue here, don't we, David? Because right. um, I don't have an answer to it, and uh, you know, it's it's it, maybe it's a mystery that. For Christians, they see that it will be resolved when you get to the other side, and um, and we could talk about justice and fairness and the idea of God, which is a very important idea, both for Christians and for non-Christians. And for for non-Christians, it's often a very important reason for not believing in God. And and you raised that issue earlier, didn't you? Yes. Uh, I I think is is God fair, and uh, and 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 I think like you, you know, I sympathise. You know, I remember your many comments on the unbelievable um, show pages about this, and uh, and 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 we, and I share, you know, some of your um, rejection of the of the ways that Christians try to get around this. And um, so, um, we 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 shan't. We, we, we I don't think we should avoid it. I think we should try and confront it and realise that it's, it's 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 a real problem. Yes, and you you have asked me a series of questions in the notes, and I, I I can only promise that I will get to them. I will in my in my blog post, my final blog post, I will go through and answer all of those questions to the best of my ability. We could have spent uh, this entire discussion on section one. In retrospect, maybe we should have spent the entire discussion on section one. Um, but with what's remaining of our last hour, let's see if we can't uh, at least touch on uh, a couple of the others. Um, so the Bible in truth, uh, I know we got to skip way down in the notes to get there. Um, you uh, you uh, mentioned that you abandoned inerrancy seven years ago. Inerrancy was one of those things that I grew up with too. Uh, and inerrancy was so important to me. I think that was one of the harder things for me to abandon. In fact, I don't think I ever did abandon it, uh, because to abandon inerrancy for me is to abandon the whole project. Now, I did eventually abandon the whole project, but I think if I had had abandoned inerrancy sooner, I would have been out sooner. So how how did you abandon inerrancy? Because once you believe that the Bible is inerrant, how do you go from that to thinking, oh, okay, it can still have errors, but I'll still trust it? Right. Well, um, yeah, I, I remember, um, uh, was it your, you had a recent podcast, a three-way discussion with um, with Dale and uh, Anthony? Uh, not An- Anthony, but... Uh, uh, who was who it with? I don't, I've had so many three-ways. Just recently, uh, not the last... Let's see. Oh, by the way, I, I recognize that last that last comment of mine could be taken the wrong way. Guys, get your mind out of the gutter. We're not twelve here. Um, let's see. So, Dale, um, 
One with Dale. Yeah, we've had we've had so many. I'm sorry, I can't. Uh, well, it was recently. Anyway, I just looked it up last week, mm-hmm. and it's the one that came up. But but is the Bible true? The question is the Bible true? Mm-hmm. And and um, we, we I think you know that the the discussion was implying that or assuming that there's only one kind of truth there. Mm-hmm. But 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 of course there are different kinds of truth and. Uh, the Bible is, is not just one book, but it's it's a collection of books. Yeah, Robert Stanley. Robert Robert yes. Stanley, that's mm-hmm. right. Yes, 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 of course. And uh, so, yeah, interesting discussion. But but the kind of, what I was hoping for is people would get behind this idea of the Bible being true or not. So, so what kind of truth it expresses? Now, a lot of Christians, for instance, don't believe that Genesis is literal, mm-hmm. but they still maintain their Christianity. And you were in the Methodists for a while. Yes. I should think a lot of those those people in the Methodists would, would believe, believe like that, that, that Genesis expresses spiritual truths, um, that, but it didn't actually let literally happen, that creation was not literally in seven days. That's, that's true, and I, a lot of Christians do believe that way, but I, I feel, and maybe maybe you can talk me through this, I think that there's a game, some gamesmanship being played there, and it, gamesmanship may be the wrong word because that implies intentionality, and I don't think it's necessarily intentional. I think that people have a tension between what they really think and know in their mind and then what they feel like they have to be loyal to uh, from a theological perspective. And so, for instance, you know, age of the earth, origin of the earth, people basically know and understand the uh, scientific explanation of evolution and so forth, and they, they accept that at face value. They understand that. They don't want to argue with that. At the same time, they don't want to denude the Bible of its uh, power, and they recognize that there's a certain amount of talking about this in, in literal terms that they have to do in order for the Bible to make sense. And so they talk about it as if it were literal, but think about it as if it were not. And I find that to be uh, very confusing, and I I think that you just have to make up your mind. Uh, Because if you say, no, it's not literal, then there are certain theological concepts that you've got to let go. Uh, You know, we talk about, you know, if, if the Bible's not literal, why are we talking about original sin and a literal Adam and Eve and a little garden of Eden and a serpent. And why are we, why are we talking that way if we don't believe it? Yes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but as I say, a, a lot of people have, have managed um, even to sort it out. I mean, you know, the, um, the universities are, are stuffed with liberal academic theologians, aren't they? Who have managed to, to 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 do this in their own minds? Uh, I, I would say, and to be able to reconcile their faith with a liberal interpretation of of the Bible, and things like Genesis and the flood and so on, and uh, and still maintain their faith, and uh, and, and maintain that the Bible uh, expresses a certain kind of truth, even if it's not literal truth. I mean, we, you know, just thinking about this, we could distinguish. As, as we know, the Bible consists of different kinds of, of genre, and um, there's there's a history, narration, there's um, like biography. If you think the Gospels are like biographies, you could think the Book of Acts is like a history. 
Um, then there's there's teaching books like you know you could think of the epistles being teaching. Uh, there's poetry in in the Old Testament. There's kind of mythical narrative like in Genesis. Uh, history as in Kings and Chronicles and, and Judges and so on. And so the types of truth are, are only relevant to the, the kinds of genre that you have. Um, so you could think that Genesis, for instance, is not a literal truth, but expresses some kind of spiritual truth, that, that the story of the Garden of Eden expresses the fact that, that, that humanity is in some way deeply sinful without actually believing that there was a, um, an Adam and an Eve to begin with. Um, you could talk about factual truth, like, like for instance, Jesus was, died on the cross, you know, is, 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 is a fact, uh, alleged fact of history. Um, there's doctrinal truth, like, you know, where, where um, Paul might say that Jesus died for our sins. That, that's another kind of truth. And then there's moral truth, like when, when, when Jesus teaches or, or apostle teaches how we should behave. Those, that, that, so there are different kinds of truth, aren't there? So just to speak about the Bible being true, glosses over these important distinctions. Now, I, I would say that, that we can find um, spiritual truth uh, in the Old Testament. Um, Certainly, there's a lot of factual truth there, but then that's mixed in with some, some obvious errors as well. I think, um, for instance, were there 4,000 or 40,000 stalls for horses uh, that Solomon had? Do you know that one? Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's comparing First Kings 4 with 2 Chronicles 9. Um, so it, it can't be both, you know, 4,000 and 40,000. So there's obviously... I, you know, to my mind, obviously errors of that kind, but but um, I'm now, uh, you know, I base my faith now on on the New Testament, and you know, and I and I'm very much with a, a guy called. Um, do you remember he was on Unbelievable last year, Andy Stanley? Uh, I remember the name. I don't remember what what he he's, talked about. He's the son of Charles Stanley, who's the famous In Touch. Mm -hmm. uh, Guy. He comes from your way. He's in the south. He's in um, somewhere in the south. I, I don't. I don't know quite all of the southerners. <laughs> no, <he's, laughs> okay. I thought it's a small, a small place. Little <laughs> 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 bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's somewhere like Atlanta, um, I think. But anyway, it's Charles Stanley, famous, famous yes. guy, great, great teacher, and his son. So he's he, Andy Stanley's written a book called um, Irresistible. Um, and he's saying what I believe, really, which is that uh, Christians are, um, for the Christians, the, the, the book of their faith is the New Testament. And the Old Testament is really a kind of record of, of what's, um, what Jews, <laughs> Jews believed. It's the record of the Jewish faith, which um, Christ came to supersede. And um, so the, the Old Testament is important, but it's not the kind of, the book to or the books to live and die die by. Okay. So, for instance, the you know the Old Testament commands, the mm -hmm. the, the civil law, the ceremonial law, um, are certainly not relevant for Christians to keep. Which you know, as 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 we all know, Christians don't keep Old Testament dietary laws. They don't stone their rebellious sons, um, which is good for the sons, right. and uh, and they don't you know if if a bride is is found not to be a virgin on her wedding day she's not usually stoned um so we don't keep all those laws and and 
So Andy Stanley made made this important point, I think, that, that it's the New Testament that really we, we need to go to um, and for our faith. And um, so... So let me let me just jump in here. Yeah, let me let me put, give a little bit of uh, pushback to that because I am familiar with this uh, this way of looking at the Bible, but it I don't think it works for me. I think that one has to look at the Bible a little bit more holistically than that um, because Christianity does not begin uh, with Matthew and end with Revelation. It it really is based on a foundation uh, that begins with Genesis. And without the first three chapters of Genesis, you don't get to Matthew at all. You, you, you would just never get there. It wouldn't make any sense. Uh, and so I would say, first of all, that uh, there are many parts of the Christian foundation that call back to s some of the Hebrew mythology uh, the book of Romans is the closest thing we have to a systematic theology. And it is chock full of Old Testament references. It, it, simply, it simply can't exist. It could, can't be written without taking a certain uh, amount of literalness <laughs> to, to the Old Testament. You have to, you have mm -hmm. to look at that. It, otherwise, it just falls apart. The book of Hebrew is a... Um, uh, New Testament book that does not make sense without taking some some of the Old Testament quite literally, um, and just by way of doctrine, you know, books of teaching. Uh, we can look at what Paul had to say about the role of women. What Paul had to say about the role of women is simply asinine if he is not thinking that Genesis one through three was literal. He, he literally, he talks about how the man was created first and then the woman and then the woman was deceived and, you know, all, a, lot of, a lot of this stuff just goes right back to that story. It, he, if he is thinking about the story figuratively, then he's lying in his doctrine uh, because he's laying down hard, fast laws that people have to literally follow uh, in his day. And so if he, if he means what he says, uh, he, he cannot divorce that and is not trying to divorce that from the literalness of the Old Testament passages. So I, I, I just think that we make a, a, a mistake and do damage to both the Hebrew uh, religion and the Christian religion when you try to tear them apart. Yeah, I, yes, I, I take that point. And, and, uh, um, and, and we could go to Romans 5.12, uh, for instance, Wherefore, as by one man, sin, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, so that all have sinned. Right. This is exactly so, the passage I was thinking about when I, when I talked exactly. about the systematic theology of Romans, so thanks for, for uh, bringing uh, that out. Absolutely. And, and um, now, Paul, um, Paul was a man of his time, and, and Jesus was also a man of his time. And, and, and they, they were both steeped in, the, in what we call the Old Testament. And, and, and they both believed those things. They both believed that Adam and Eve were real people. And so, that, that, so what they said when they, when they taught were, obviously they used those things to, to, to illustrate, make the points that they were making. And, and I'm, 
you know, and, and we don't have to think about Paul, but we can also talk about Jesus. Jesus also right. um, quotes he, the Old Testament. Exactly, and he, he, some of his moral laws, if you will, uh, for instance, his laws on marriage, which I think are asinine, by the way, but he, mm. uh, he dates that all the way back to the, uh, the literal order of creation. Yes, yes, indeed. So, but I, I am, um, you know, as you know, I, I, I don't believe that when Jesus speak, spoke, that was, um, that, that Jesus was God. Um, that, that when Jesus spoke, that was that was always God speaking. And, and there, there are, um, I think the New Testament is a record of, of, of the Holy Spirit, if you like, working through these men, through these people. Um, expressing truths which um, which God was trying to get through and they were using the, the language and the culture and the assumptions and the history and the thought um, of the times so the fact that Paul and Jesus believed in a literal Adam and Eve does not mean that we have to believe that as Christians but if we if we're gonna say though that the Bible is good for doctrinal truth their doctrinal truth or their doctrine came out of a false notion of the historical truth, which was also false. <laughs> so it, you end up with a false doctrine because it's based on a false history. Right. A good tree cannot bear bad fruits. Yes, which yes. is also, by the way, not a great... <laughs> so I, anyway, there's a lot of things that Jesus said that I would, I would take issue with, but I, I take your point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know, and 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 we could talk about that. And I and and I would not claim to have thought everything through here. Um, for Christians, we we um, you know we, we we have to rest. I think upon the the if you like some 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 key facts. We we there's the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the, and if you like the doctrinal truths that that we consider to be essential. And so I've had to let go of inerrancy, and 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 um, I I take your point that I think you were trying to make you were making the point that 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 Christians, if you like, are, are kind of um, what's the word? They're um, ambiguous or hold on to things in a tension. Exactly. Between uh, this tension between, if you like, going through the motions in one sense, um, saying you believe such and such. But, but in your mind, having doubts or, or believing one thing and saying another or right. believing one thing with one half of your mind and believing another thing contradictory in the other half of your mind. Right, because you're trying to give commitments to, to two separate realms. You're trying to give commitments to the realms of the, the academic, physical world that, that we know something about. And we're mm. also trying to give commitments to the spiritual realm of you know the Bible is still the Word of God. Yes, yes, that's right. And 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 uh, I, I've been trying to work through these things. I mean, Romans five twelve, which I which I read, has has been a problem. That's that's been a thorn in my flesh, if you like, and for for quite a while. And um, and that's another um, great phrase from Paul, isn't it? Yes. Uh, thorn in the flesh, and and. So there have been a lot of thorns in the flesh for me. Uh, do you, you remember, uh, is it Peter Enns? Um, he's E-N-S. He was on Unbelievable some years ago. 
and he has now a website called the Bible for Normal People. But he had this experience because he was teaching in in an evangelical, I forget which college, but a very ortho, very evangelical, orthodox um, seminary. And gradually he became more and more liberal. So you can imagine his, his, his difficulties that he had there. Yes. Eventually he was, he was forced out. He was forced out by his, um, by his, his colleagues, by his faculty. And, um, he's, he, and he appeared on Unbelievable a few years ago debating with somebody more orthodox than he was. And he was saying in the course of this, you know, talk, they were talking about the um, things like the atrocities in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. you know, which, which we haven't discussed today, but, no. but, 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 but we know these well, and these, these have been a, another source of uh, discomfort to many Christians. And also he talked about Paul and he said, Paul was a man of his time. And, and that's the kind of, I mean, that's true. I mean, he was doing the best with what he knew, um, what he believed to be true. And, and he believed Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden because that's what he um, grew up with and that's what he was taught. And he believed that. Just like we believe so many things now because it, it's, it's in the air, isn't it? And, and, um, and you're, a, you're a materialist now. And, and you know, that's, you believe that there's nothing but the material universe. Yes. And that's, that forms your thinking. I was saying to you, uh, yeah, in the notes that it's like it's difficult for you to kind of get behind that assumption that you make because that's that's you're a man of your time, and and this is our time, isn't it? We live in such a, a naturalistic, materialist thought universe that 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 everything we express comes out of those assumptions, and and I was saying that to to Andrew the other you know I think last year online is that when we had a discussion is that you're begging the question again that but that Paul was a man of his time just like we are and and I think somehow through this that that God was able to work and and bring out of that a faith um, to to change the world right uh, and I, I just I that's a beautiful idea but it's one that's impossible for me to figure out how to use practically so for instance you can say well paul was a man of his time and he had these precursors uh to his his doctrine but his doctrine has been poisonous and wrong and damaging to women for millennia and um so i would rather paul had just shut up (laughs) than to than to speak as a man of his time uh, but ostensibly speaking the words of God. I mean, the, the passage that I read in 2 Corinthians, Paul is, Paul is proposing to speak the mind of God here, not, not of earthly things, but of heavenly spiritual things. And he can do that because he has the mind of Christ in him, and we can understand it because we have the mind of Christ in us. But he's, he's actually claiming an authority greater than yeah. his human history. And so when he says things and people believe him in that sense, it creates terrible uh, doctrine and social uh, unrest and just a damaging, um, you know, psychological and emotional um, uh, situation for millions and millions of people because he thought that the Garden of Eden story was literal. 
I, I'm I'm sorry. I can't I can't look at the Bible and figure out well which parts of the doctrine I should care about and which parts I can't. Since we've got someone like Paul who is claiming to be speaking from the mind of God. Yes, um, yes, indeed. But of course, we must remember that um, that Paul sometimes said um, quite explicitly that he was speaking not from not from God, if you like, but for himself. Right, and, and, I, and I wish he had just said that for everything he said, and then then we yeah. could have that discussion. But that's not the discussion that the Bible gives us. Uh, right. Well, indeed. Um, yeah. Um, Okay, but uh, Jesus was also a man of his time, and he also believed that the Garden of Eden was literal. So, right. <laughs> which is problematic for me, yeah. and I, I this is why I really appreciate the uh, position that the Unitarian takes uh, that just says, you know what, Jesus can't be God. That's not, that doesn't make any sense. But once you once you take that position and you say, well, Jesus can't be God, then you have to judge him as a human. A flawed human and and then we can we can look at his various pronouncements his various doctrinal statements his various views on the world and we can judge them and they don't all come out well no no well we're, we're people of our time as well and um, we uh, I we may not have time to get onto eschatology but that's something that I have been studying recently and um, there are we Paul and Jesus appear to be speaking as if the end is to come soon yes they are they're wrong and the end didn't didn't come soon it did not and and um, and I'm, I'm sure that you've had much um, much amusement over the years in the way uh, in reading on talking with the way that that some Christians uh, try to get around this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You I, know, honestly, you can have much amusement about the way biblical authors try to get around it because it's very clear that it, as the Bible was written, uh, you know, some of the later books recognize that you know what we're not we're not supposed to still be here, <laughs> and they're yeah. and they're trying to kind of go back over that and explain why we're still here and kind of re uh, re-explain things to to make sense of the fact that they're still here and that the end has not come yet. Yeah, yeah indeed. So I mean, this is this is a major issue because um, Jesus speaks about coming judgment many in many many places. So if we're going to talk about if if Jesus is flawed and and, and if Paul is flawed in their teaching, then um, then what they say about judgments about um, about the end coming, about the, the, the final resurrection, about vindication, about coming again, Jesus coming again, all of that has to go into the mix. Right, and, and for me, it's a matter of why should I believe, you know, this other thing that, that Christians hold dear, when it clearly, this other thing that was just as important that he said is, is not true. Yes, yes right, well, um, I mean, I, I'm um, the, 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 I, I'm reading with with interest the the, the controversies over this, and uh, with I think my my eyes were opened when when I read a couple of books by a scholar called Dale Allison, 
um, who you may not have you heard of him? I have not. No, right. Well, he's 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 a great he's a great uh, scholar who um, is is not afraid to go where the evidence goes. And on the other side, if you like, or um, of that debate is is N.T. Wright, whom mm-hmm. you surely have heard of. Yes. Yeah. And so N.T. Wright has written four massive tomes, um, you know, New Testament of the people of God, Jesus and the victory of God, resurrection, son of God and Paul and book about Paul. And um, so the, the, these guys are, are debating really what what. What did Jesus uh, mean by the end, um, and and what did the apostles understand by the end, and, and was that the same thing? And um, so, in, in my view, um, nobody, no New Testament writer, and, and not even Jesus, is immune from getting it wrong. They can, it is possible for them to be mistaken, um, but still, that the, that what the New Testament says about faith, about the resurrection of Jesus, about the importance of the spirit, um, still remains true. That, that's what I believe, you know, and that's where, I'm, that's where I am at the moment. Um, about the, um, we can talk about, if we have time, about the different interpretations of the end. Um, and N.T. Wright um, is, is noted for saying that, um, you know what he says? He's, he's saying that really, it all comes down to AD 70. And that all the, the predictions of the end, the, the coming of the Son of Man, the second coming, that is, vindication, everything will be accomplished in AD 70 with the destruction of the temple. Right. And, 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 and Dale Allison and others like him also stand on that same side, following the tradition of Albert Schweitzer, who say, yeah, Jesus really was an eschatologist, I can't say it. Eschatological prophet, yeah. you know, he believed in the imminence of the end, and this is clearly what Jesus believed. I, I, I think so. It wasn't all spiritualized and pushed off into thousands of years from now, but it is coming, um, and and it's coming soon. And 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 uh, you know, in, when we've got the famous passage in in um, where you know, for eschatology, if you like, the the key passages come in. In Mark chapter 13 and its parallels, mm-hmm. which, uh, of course, you know well. So um, Jesus describes the destruction of the temple and then various other things that will happen, right. including, um, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. That's Mark 13, verse 26. And then verse 30, verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass until all these things be done. Right. All these things. Till all these things. Right. That's right. Till all these things be done. And then, and then the trick is later uh, people like, you know, Paul, and it's arguable as to whether mm. Paul is actually later since he wrote first. Uh, yeah. But it's it, the trick then is to go back and reinterpret all of the things that Jesus said in the Olivet Discourse and, uh, and reinterpret it so that it has happened. And all of a sudden, all of these things are figurative and spiritual illusions and then you can say it happened. But if you if you mm. read it, let's just say that Jesus did say these things around AD 30, AD 29. Um, and if you just hear him saying these things at that time, it sounds like he's speaking of literal events. 
And and so I just I feel very uncomfortable with people then coming along 20, 30, 50 years later and saying, no, he didn't really mean it that way. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And and um, the, 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 the talk of this generation, this generation shall not pass. Uh, another verse here of Mark 9, verse 1. This is the um, transfiguration. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus said unto them, talking to his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. So it's another reference to this generation. Right. Isn't it? Right. Now, and, it's, and it's also not... Uh, so this is this is a thing that I uh, would have said even when I was a Christian. It's not enough to say, well, his kingdom came with power when he rose from the dead. That is not the case because Christians are still praying, "Thy kingdom come." Uh, so you can say, well, you know, maybe his kingdom began, but we're still waiting on the full inbreaking of his kingdom. Uh, and that passage seems to suggest, no, his kingdom will be here fully in this generation and so you can't you can't really square those things well yeah i mean the now and not yet thing right um, it's such a slogan isn't it it's It's one Um, of those tensions that christians are comfortable with living with yeah i know and and when i was doing my theology degree it was all over my theology degree (laughs) now and not yet yeah. And I remember writing, you know, one of my essays, and 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 the and the the marker that Jesus says, "Yeah, now and not yet, David." <laughs> so look, if I if I don't do this, if I don't uh, swing the machete right here, I'm going to end up being a liar with a thing that I promised you. So we're just this. You're just going to have to agree to come back, and we're going to have to uh, tackle some of these issues more deeply. But okay, yeah, uh, panpsychism. I, I okay, promised we, you that we would save a little bit of time at the end for panpsychism, and we're at the end. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for that. Yes, it, it, it'd be good to come back and explore this a bit more. Um, and, 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 but I hope I've managed to get across some of what I believe about the Bible and truth. Um, and I hope I've managed to do at least make a start on this. Yes. I still believe, I still believe Jesus was raised from the dead. And that I believe in the Holy Spirit, and I believe that Acts is a faith, pretty reliable record. We didn't get onto Acts, David. I, I know, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, um, April okay. is going to be a, a pretty full month, but um, would you would you like to come back uh, April and talk about some of this? Because we've got you know Easter and Resurrection, and you know a lot of things that are very important to the conversation that we didn't have today. Okay, I'd be glad to. Yes. Yeah. All right, so panpsychism. Uh, you have an interest in panpsychism. Uh, I've been trying to study it um, lately just to figure out what the chatter is about. Let me just give my dumb summary of it, and then you can give a better summary of it. Uh, so pan, uh, everything, uh, psychism, uh, or consciousness, so everything with consciousness and with panpsychism particularly, uh, we are looking for... Uh, matter having a uh, all the fundamentals of matter having a dollop of consciousness in it so that everything is uh, conscious you put enough matter together you Mm. get you get consciousness because all matter has consciousness in it so that's that's um, panpsychism in a nutshell Uh, tell me tell me more 
Right, yes. Nutshell. Very good, very good analogy, actually, yes, because that's that's the kind of view that um yeah, that that um that every dollop of matter uh is 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 kind of um got a little bit of mentality in it. Now um there are I, I've started uh, interestingly, you know, I studied philosophy with my math mathematics at university and and there was never a kind of suggestion of panpsychism going around at the time. Mm-hmm. But I studied um, I studied British empiricists. I studied a man called Bishop Barclay. Have you heard of him? I have not. Oh, right. Okay. Well, um, he's known as an idealist, basically believing that the world of, 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 um, of I've got, got the poem here, um, that the world um, of matter is an appearance and that all that's, that's really real is ideas, perceptions, and, and, and thoughts. Right. So this is called this this point of view is called idealism, which is a more kind of fundamental view than panpsychism. Yes. And and, and idealism. Panpsychism is, is I'm sorry. Panpsychism is really another form of materialism, <laughs> uh, because what you're what you're trying to explain is how we how consciousness emerges from material, and you're just saying, well, consciousness is a part of the structure. Of material, but at the end of the day, it's still a structure. And with idealism, no consciousness is the only thing that actually exists. Indeed, um, consciousness, ideas, thoughts. Indeed, and 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 of course, you can be a, um, and, and 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 Bishop Berkeley was 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 an idealist, and and he believed in God. Of course, he was a bishop, so. You'd think you'd have to believe in God, wouldn't you? One would think so, um, but the, then would, there's Bishop uh, John Spong, uh, who doesn't necessarily yeah. believe in God. So. That's right. So, <laughs> indeed, well, I think I think this this particular bishop did believe in God because, um, and, and 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 God guarantees, in a way, like Descartes, you know, um, um, who believe, you know, that I, I believe, therefore I am, and God is reliable, so God will guarantee the reality and the, and the truth of, of of my perceptions. And, and Barclay was somewhat along the same line. Uh, an idealist believes that the world, the universe is basically mental in character mm-hmm. and that God guarantees the, the, veridis, the, the, veridis, the truth, yes. the truth of our perceptions. Uh, do you know Ronald Knox's limerick? Probably not. No. But <laughs> composed in, in the 1920s about, about um, you know what a limerick is? It's yes, a, a, I do. Okay particular rhyming scheme. Okay, A-A-B-B-A. So, there was a young man who said God must find it exceedingly odd to think that this tree should continue to be when there's no one about in the quad. Second verse. Dear sir, your astonishment's odd. I am always about in the quad. That's why the tree will continue to be since observed by yours faithfully, God. That's idealism. That's idealism. Yes. That's that, that's theistic idealism. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I the, the um which, which is pantheism, I- which is a type of pantheism. Pantheism. God is everywhere. Uh, God is everything. His consciousness holds everything together. And so even us, we are we are a part of God's consciousness working itself out. Yeah, you you expressed it beautifully, and and I think um, that there's a there's a a, a mode of thought called 
panentheism, which is that God is not only, uh, if you like, interfused throughout the universe and reality, but also in some sense transcends it as well. Um, so in that sense, God is a, is, can be a personal God, um, as well as not, God is not identified with, with creation, but stands outside it, as well as running all the way through it. And, and, and this, you know, pantheism or, or, or panentheism have a long history. They're not recent innovations in, in philosophy at all. They're, they're Buddhism, you know, some varieties of Hinduism will express this. Um, ancient Greek philosophers um, expressed the idea of the unity of all things, Parmenides, for instance. So it's not, you know, a new thing. But, but in Western philosophy, since about 1990, there's been a big explosion of interest in this. And uh, one of the one of the key authors is a man called David Chalmers, mm-hmm. uh, who um, who I mean has written many of the, the seminal essays. He's an Australian philosopher, and uh, he's saying, yeah, consciousness is 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 fundamental. Uh, consciousness is fundamental, and uh, and whether it's universal or not, I don't know yet. But 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 this this interest in consciousness um, has sparked. Um, intersections with with neurophysiology, uh, psychology, and with quantum physics. And so last year, in last November, um, Unbelievable had Philip Goff, who's a panpsychist, along with um, Sharon Dirks, I think her name is. By the way, Philip Goff uh, also uh, showed up most recently on a partner uh, site, uh, Procinium. If I think about it, I'll put the... um I'll put it in the comments. He uh, was in debate with Brian Blaze uh, on the subject of uh, panpsychism and other things. Uh, so my friends uh, Andrew and um, and um, <laughs> the British guy, <laughs> my my friend, the British guy whose <laughs> name I've just blanked out. Oh, um, 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 uh, uh, um, uh, not, uh, not Andrew, um, um. Uh, Matthew. Matthew. Matthew, thank you. I'm Matthew so Taylor. sorry, Matthew. I just, I, I deserve to be hunted down and killed for that. Um, yes. <laughs> so, yes. you can you can edit that one out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, they um, uh, just wanted to to mention, uh, uh, give give that a plug as well. Yes, right. Yes, indeed. So I mean, that was a. I didn't uh, understand a word of it. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, I listened to it. I I didn't get it. No, indeed. <laughs> well, I, I, since then I've worked through um, Tara Snyder, um, whom you know well, yes. uh, kindly gave me a copy of a recent paper by David Chalmers, mm-hmm. it's the, the guy that seems to have opened this up recently in, in the yes. Western philosophical scheme. And, and uh, that was really very illuminating. There are, um, you, you can, there, there is not just you know, like Heinz. Do you have Heinz in the States? This brand of sauce? Uh, yes, maybe, Heinz. With a, with a 57 on the label? Yes, yes. 57 varieties. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like 57 plus varieties of idealism and panpsychism out there. And and people are talking about this writing and, and it, it's like you know, people have got their, you know, like every theologian has to have their own theory you know what i mean and 
every philosopher also has to have their own theory, if you like, or they, they think of a different way of, 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 of branding it. But but genuinely, there are these, these, these different possibilities for how the world could be in a mixture of minds and matter. Right. So uh, tell me this one thing, uh, because yeah. I, your hard stop is coming up. Here's, here's the problem that I've had with um, Tara's idealism. Uh, and Tara is one of the first persons that I started interacting with when I came to Unbelievable roughly seven years ago now. Um, the, what does it matter? Um, I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to be flippant here, uh, but it seems like, especially with idealism, maybe with panpsychism, maybe scientists will one day find a psycheon particle, you know, and uh, you know, maybe that will explain something about the universe. Maybe we can use that in some way. But in the grand scheme of things, uh, if it turns out to be some form of idealism or some form of panpsychism, how does that change the price of milk? Uh, honestly, how does that change the way we live, the way we think about um, the the universe, our lives, and our, our place here? I just I don't I don't know what ultimately it gives us, even if it's true. Well, David, you're you you are in the truth business, aren't you? I try to be. Uh, yes. And, and, but it, but even so, there's there are plenty of truths that I don't care about. For instance, how many grains of sand uh, are on uh, Long Beach? I don't care. There is a true number, don't care. And so I I understand that one of these theories might end up being true, but what, how would this truth matter? I understand how religious truth would matter. Uh, but I don't understand how this truth would matter. I don't know what the claims are, the ultimate claims being made, and why the average person should care whether there's a psyche on or not. Right. Yes. Well, but you are not an average person, David, and and uh, you know I say that as a as a compliment, <laughs> and and uh, I I think that 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 there's um, I think the way we are we humans are built and designed, and I can say that I believe that, is that we are built to search for truth beyond ourselves. Mm-hmm. That for, and, and, and the fact that you run this podcast um, is testament to your, there's a quest there, I, I think, in, in the heart and the minds of people about what, what, what is really out there? What is, why is there something rather than nothing? You know, um, is there some truth is there some unity behind the apparent, you know, disparateness of all things? Mm-hmm. And, and, and this can be expressed in religious ways or in philosophical ways or in scientific ways. When, when you know, when, when Sean Carroll, you know, Sean Carroll, the, um, the physicist. Yes, I like well, Sean Carroll. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's a great communicator, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, and when he talks about how we, the observer... Um, can get entangled in what we're observing, and this might be the explanation behind the, the you know, how um, relativity and quantum theory seem to disagree, um, but in fact they may in fact be 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 um, belong to the same theory, can be reconciled through the you know the idea that of entanglement, and that therefore that 
the observer is inextricably part of what he observes and that what we actually observe may not be there at all. You know, we think we're looking at something, we think that thing is really there, but it's not. Um, that we're grasping a, a truth that in some way beyond ourselves. And I agree, it's not much compared, you know, to, I mean, to the price of milk for the average person, but, but we're talking about things that I think we are built and designed to inquire beyond. And maybe, you know, we won't find out the truth, but, but I, I believe that we, we will find out maybe on the other side, you know, and, and, and perhaps God, there really is a reality, you know, Wordsworth talked about um, um, emotion of spirits. I'm, I'm quoting here from Lines Above Tintin Abbey, um, that emotion of spirit that impels um, all thinking things, all objects of all thought, and rolls through all things, you know, that maybe, you know, sometimes we can sense this in a religious way or an aesthetic way, Artists can, can sense this sometimes, can't they? Um, that there's something beyond just the world that we, um, of our senses. That, that, you know, we're not, if we were, you know, brutish savages, perhaps we would not see this, or maybe we would. You know, Tara would say probably that we, they were closer to it than, than we are now. Sure. Um, but so, um, all right, so if all we're concerned about is whether we've got enough food to eat and whether we can earn our daily bread and so on and what's on Netflix tonight then maybe it's not much importance but 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 I think you know the fact that you and I are talking now and and you don't have to do this David you know you could just do your job and go home and you know and look after your family and so on but you're doing this because you 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 you're inquiring and you're still so interested in Christianity, even though you're no longer a Christian, aren't you? Yeah, no, it's, uh, look, it's it's my life, it's my misspent youth, uh, yes. it's my kismet, whatever you call it. But you say that I don't have to do this, I disagree, I do have to do it. I, haven't, I, right. I am compelled to do it by forces that I cannot explain. I'm, yeah, I'm, there's something that's rolling through you, yeah, and, and, and me that, that leads us to um, to inquire. And to study, isn't it? And yeah. to dialogue, and 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 iron is sharpening iron, you know, even even as we speak. And speaking of uh, dialogue, this one, by necessity, must come to an end. Take uh, take two minutes and uh, or three and wrap up uh, your final thoughts. I will uh, do the same with mine, and uh, we will simply agree to come back and tackle this page of notes that got left on the cutting room floor another time. Uh, how would you like to uh, wind things okay. down? Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Well, it's been, um, it's been great fun, and, and I so appreciate the, the chance to, to talk to you um, on this. It's a chance to try and you know, get things together and, and express myself. Um, the, on the first topic, I, I, I'm, I'm hanging there, and in a funny way, I, I believe, although I've lost um, so many of the things that I had believed were part of my Christian faith. Um, I, I've developed my thought in, in a way. It's, um, my faith is stronger in a paradoxical way um, because I, I feel there's more integrity in what I believe. Um, so, uh, but I'm hanging there, and, and 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 you're not. And that's something that we could go on to talk more about um, on the Bible and truth, as I say. I believe that the New Testament gives us a reliable record of the life and the death of Jesus, that it records Jesus' resurrection, and the birth of the church, the reality of the Holy Spirit, 
and we can talk about Acts and, and the Gospels, particularly Luke's Gospel, uh, then in, in a further time, on, on idealism and panpsychism. I think we're just grasping here. We're, we're, we're humans are grasping at truths that we know that there's something out there, that there's something interconnected going on uh, in the universe. Um, the fact that the universe is regular, the fact that, that, that of quantum theory and, and, and relativity Siemens disagree, but yet they can't. Um, the fact that there's a mystery of consciousness and why we didn't talk about the hard problem of consciousness, which is why is there, you know, why is it that humans are consciousness, we think, but a robot is not conscious? What's the difference? Uh, I was enthralled by uh, this series uh, called Westworld, which, which built, had robots that looked just like humans and thought just like humans. Were they conscious or not? There's a mystery there. Um, so um, we're, we're searching, we're going beyond what, what is just the material world around us and, and um, thinking about truth, even though we may never know the actual truth until the other side. But, but it's what we're all engaged on. So, yeah, that's my summary. All right. So my summary would be um, from the first part of the, the conversation, uh, this is a mystery to me, too, so I will say that we have a mystery on both sides of the aisle. Um, I am not smarter than you. I'm not better read than you. I'm not more honest than you. Uh, and yet, I look at the material, and I could not hang on, and I'm an unbeliever. And you look at the uh, material, and you can come to a place where you can hang on even stronger. Um, I don't know what the various factors uh, are in that. Uh, I tend to think that it is less about uh, our libertarian choices. I, I don't, I, you know, I, if, if I could have made a libertarian choice to stay a Christian, I'd still be a Christian. Uh, so whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, there's, there's some bit of mystery there in the thing that I am no longer willing to say is that, you know, you, you're stupid or you're dishonest. That's clearly not the case. I also, I'm not stupid and I'm not dishonest. Uh, and so this is why we talk. And um, I, would, I would love to dig into that mystery a bit further because I am simply not satisfied with the answers. Uh, on the subject of the Bible, I simply can't hang on to it anymore. And maybe... Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, it's it's too human for me. So when it was completely divine, it made sense that I should pay attention to it. And then when it became, well, partly human, then it became confusing. You know, there's something of the divine that I should pay attention to, but then something of the human that I could let go. But at this point, it's just too human. Uh, and I don't see anything of the divine there. And so I don't... Um, have anything to hang on to uh, there. And I, I know that that is one of the great differences between us because you still see something of the divine in the story. Uh, and I simply do not. Um, panpsychism, idealism, uh, honestly, it's all interesting and fascinating and sci-fi writers have been uh, dealing with the problem of consciousness for a long time. 
I, I think that any any solution to the problem of consciousness has to uh, has to take into account lower animals, which I don't hear anyone talking about these days. So it used to be that the Christian would say, well, you know, we're humans and we're different from the animals. Well, we're not different from the animals. We are animals. <laughs> you can say that we're higher animals taxonomically. Uh, but animals are also conscious. Yeah, I don't, I'm sorry, you can't look at my dog and say that he is unconscious like a robot is unconscious. He is conscious. He just has a different level of it than me. Um, you know, and then cats, uh, they're conscious and evil. Uh, just look at my cat and you will see uh, that. Uh, you know, and then you can go down to hamsters and, um, you know, go down even further until you get to earthworms that seem almost unconscious um but alive but and so we're we're looking at different levels of consciousness uh and it does seem to be tied to biology uh in a very distinct way and so where whereas all of these theories are fascinating i don't see yet why i should think of consciousness as a separate thing from biology or at least not an emergent um factor and so it's going to take a little bit more than philosophy for me. I'm going to have to see some hard evidence uh, that consciousness is separate from the uh, material uh, that that is us uh, to buy into some of these theories. And I think that right now we're just a long ways away from solving the hard problem. And I think the theories we have now are sufficient and, and don't require other theories. But, it, you know, I am not committed to one theory or another. Right now, I, I just, I'm happy to say that consciousness is an emergent property of biology because that's what it looks like from humans all the way down to the earthworm. Uh, and until I see some discussions of, of this consciousness problem that includes uh, lower animals, I'm, I'm uh, gonna have to remain unimpressed for now. So that is where I am. Uh, David Kimball Cook, I have been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, let me just say, for years. So this conversation has been years in the making, and uh, I hope it is just uh, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, we have hit the witching hour uh, for you, and so I'm going to say thank you for coming on board, and uh, we look forward to the next time we speak, possibly in uh, early April. Right. Thank, thank you, David. It's been great, and, and we've raised a lot of issues, and um, but we've barely turned the earth in some of them, so Look forward to coming back and talking to you again. All right. Bye-bye. And uh, yeah. next week, I have no earthly idea. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.